0: This is the Dan Grosso Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: You look at the Mets and you see what they've been so far through 54 games. Not a hell of a lot to write home about. Because I don't think that Billy Epler and Steve Cohen with all of his money are going to be able to go wave a magic wand and make some transformational transaction and get a player or two from another team that's going to be able to reverse the fortunes of this club. Payroll is $360 million. What more do you want this team to do? And the fact that the Mets have struggled as much as they they have against the subpar teams, that's what gives you a little bit of concern. And it's not like they've been wowing it against the good clubs either. And if you look at the schedule in June, it's going to get that much more dicey. Is it not? This-
0: is the Dan Grasa Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Another 60 minutes, then we'll send things off to Gordon and Larry. They'll take you the rest of the night here at 800-919-3776. At Dan Grasa, G-R-A-C-A is where you can get me on Twitter. Yanks are going to get underway here in just a little bit. They're going to take on the Seattle Mariners in game number two of their three-game set. Give the ball to Nestor Cortez. In case you're just joining us, Harrison Bader goes on the the 10-day IL with a hamstring Injury that he suffered the other day against the Padres running at the first base. Not the Padres. It was against, um, no, it was the Padres, right? Was the Padres game or was it last night? I can't even remember. With the Yankees. When, when Bader got hurt. Was it last night? It was last night. It was last night. I, Rizzo was the one against the uh, the Padres. Which, which is funny. They say he's fine, but yet he's not in the lineup. Uh, probably not going to be in the lineup again tonight. So for a couple of days. Um, with that neck issue. Which could have been a lot worse, too. Making that collision there with Tatis. At first base. So Trevino's back as well. Get a little help behind the plate. And we'll see how the Yanks fare coming up here at the bottom of the hour. Mets have opened up a 2-0 lead after 7 against the Phillies. They tack on another one there. An Escobar infield single. And Nick Castellanos in right field. It's funny. You know, you talk about uh, you take it and you give it away. Brandon Nimmo robbed Castellanos of a home run in the fourth inning of tonight's game. And now Castellanos just robbed Nimmo of surely at least driving in one run, maybe two, at the end of that seventh inning on a diving catch in right center field. And they were having some fun when uh, he was running off the field there. So uh, they've each made one good defensive playoff or another. And that's a big play, potentially, because it keeps the game within striking distance for the Phils. Just 2-0 now, going to the eighth inning. But the storyline was Kodai Senga, who... uh, Gave up just one hit, a bloop single, the only blemish for him tonight. And and Senga, look, has he been bad? No. Has he been as advertised? Not quite. But he has been that guy more often than not at City Field. He's been outstanding at home. You know, I just saw a stat. The last three home starts for Senga's ERA is like 0.4. He's been tremendous. It's on the road where he's got to figure some things out. You know, he's pitching to an ERA north of six away from Citi Field. So I understand that all of these ballparks are new to him, and maybe there's a little bit more comfort and familiarity to that mound at Queens, but that's what it means to be a big league pitcher and a successful one, right? You're going to have to be able to make all these conju- uh, these adjustments and to be able to you know, take whatever you do at home and, and, and do it as well on the road. And that's what the Mets are banking on, giving this guy all the money that they invested in him. And, you know, making some decisions like letting Bassett walk and letting Taiwan Walker go and, you know, deciding to go all in on a guy like Senga to join Verlander and Max Scherzer in this starting rotation. So that's where we stand with the baseball. Speaking of the Yankees, as I said, you had three of the injured guys down at Somerset today, Josh Donaldson, uh Giancarlo Stanton, and Tommy Canely. Here was Stanton. Before today's game, saying that not going to be that much longer.
2: Uh, I'm ready to go. I just need to b- get some some games under my belt or some some at bats at least.
1: Okay. So what do you make of the offense thus far? They're going off, so uh, it's fun to watch, and um, you know, of course, I want to be a part of it. So. So Stanton dealing with the hammy. Hopefully, he'll be back home soon. Remember, Yankees are going out to L.A. after the Seattle series. And that is, uh, you know, Stanton's neck of the woods, his old stomping grounds there where he grew up in California. So, we'll see if he's able to join them. That is the plan, at least for one Josh Donaldson, so he says. How are you feeling? Good. Everything's been going well.
2: And uh, what's the next step for you after this? Assuming that all goes well today.
1: If everything goes well today, I think I'm going to
2: fly. I'll be flying out to uh, L.A. the next day or so. Yeah.
1: And you hope to be activated for that series? I think that's the plan as of right now. Wait, they really have the gift of gab, do they? Either of these guys. You know, talking... Down there in Somerset, you know, give give us something, right? I mean, they, the media goes out there; they're concerned, they want to be able to deliver some info for the fans, and these guys are just like, you know, a couple of words here, a couple of words there. That's it. Jeez. And, and and did you see that an ex-Yankee has a new home now? Did you guys happen to see this? Every Yankee fan's favorite player, Aaron Hicks has resurfaced, boys and girls, and he's sticking around the AL East because he signs on with the Baltimore Orioles. Baltimore lost Cedric Mullins, who we know is an all-star player. They left, uh, lost him to a groin injury the other day. And so to be able to fill that spot, you take on a guy who can play the outfield who's familiar with the division. What would happen if Hicks goes to Baltimore and just completely goes off? Like he has like a two-week tear to where baseball can't get him out. He's playing like a gold glove outfield. That would be just like spitting in the face of Yankee fans if that happens. And I don't know. Maybe it would be vindication in a way for a guy like Brian Cashman. Because Cashman was the guy who believed in him. Bringing him over from the Minnesota Twins. Doubling down. Essentially giving him that contract extension because he thought he was going to be a big piece of the future. Loved his game analytically friendly, all those things. But it, it, it was, look, Aaron Hicks's tenure here with the New York Yankees is going to be probably the, one of the more forgettable ones that we have seen in a very, very long time, plain and simple. But I'm more concerned with Nestor Cortez as far as tonight's game is concerned. He's got to go out there and give you a quality performance because Nestor is a guy this season – He don't resemble the guy who was an all-star and a guy who had a career season last year to where you're watching TV and you got to see Nestor in those BMW commercials now with Walker Buehler and with Byron Buxton, right? I mean, he's a name. People know who he is. He's getting national commercials. If he's pitching to a 5'3 ERA, he ain't going to be in no BMW commercials anytime soon. They're going to switch Nestor Cortez to like the Ford Focus. Those are the type of commercials he's going to be doing. And nothing wrong with the Ford Focus, by the way. It's a very efficient vehicle. Gets it from point A to point B, gets exactly where you want to go. Nothing wrong with that. Great on gas mileage. But I don't think that Nestor Cortez is going to be taking in a big check or anybody. They're not, they're, they don't have it in the budget, by the way, to, to pay baseball players to endorse their cars, is essentially what I'm saying here. But Nestor's got to be better. Was not good last time out against the Baltimore Orioles. Remember, third time through the order. That nightmare of a seventh inning. And it all came unraveled for him there. Got to be more consistent. Has to be. And, you know, that lineup, as you heard Giancarlo Stanton talk about, I was really, really impressed with how they performed last night against Bryson Miller. Bryson Miller, the youngster for the Seattle Mariners, what he had done in his first five starts was almost historic. You know, at the rate of strikeouts, runs aloud, walks, like nobody had ever done that in the history of baseball in their first five starts. And then the Yanks go in there last night and just completely bludgeon them all over the yard. Now tonight you got Logan Gilbert, who's another one of these live young arms that the Mariners have. You know, they're building something kind of, you know, kind of special there when you're looking at that rotation. You know, there's a lot to be excited about if you're a Mariner fan. And then you got Kirby pitching tomorrow night. So the Yanks are seeing one, two, three, you know, Seattle's three young quality right-handed starting pitchers in this series. And remember a guy like um, the kid we saw last night, he took the, he's only up here because Robbie Ray went down. And that's a former Cy Young winner, but he had to go under the knife because of Tommy John surgery. And you talk about filling big shoes. That's exactly what he's done. But, Didn't look that way last night because the Yankees had the last laugh. And Aaron Judge, who just continues to show you that last year wasn't a fluke, that he's going to be right back there in the conversation for an MVP award again. And he's the best player right now, clearly in this city, in terms of everyday players. And at this rate, you might be talking about a guy who could be primed for the title of best player in all of baseball if he wins another MVP when all is said and done at the end of the season. But still a long way to go. As we know, eight hundred nine one nine espn is our telephone number. When we come back, some football. What's the latest on DeAndre Hopkins? Is he any closer to making his decision? And how likely would it be that the Jets or the Giants could indeed be a landing spot? Grass until the top of the hour right here on 98.7 ESPN. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because
0: it has to be. This is the Dan Grasse Show on 98.7 ESPN.
2: Give
1: me the name of your show. What a hunk. Oh, Please. I think he's working at Kmart someplace. Bring me trumpet, play the song. Dan Grassa Show.
0: Now back to Dan Grassa on 98.7 ESPN.
1: What about Brooklyn? What about Boston? What about Jason? What about LeBron? Oh, man. Some of our greatest hits as we brought you over the uh, weeks and months and years and the whole nine yards. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number two nothing Mets uh, in the bottom of the eighth so they're gonna be giving the ball to Dave Robertson to see if he can slam the door shut here and preserve a two nothing win for Kodai Senga and the Mets more importantly get back up over 500 and also give a blow to uh their division rival the Philadelphia Phillies who have not exactly fired on all cylinders yet as the defending National League champions let us say hi to Subi in Midtown it's good to hear from him Subi what's going on?
2: Hey, Dan, I wanted to talk about the Mets and the future trade deadline moves, if that's going to be imperative, given the fact that the fans will demand some movement. And uh, at the trade deadline, one team I was thinking about was the Cardinals. And uh, how does it feel to be a Cardinals fan now with their team not doing well? They just they just got shut out with the Royals. They stink. I'm just wondering, you know, if if teams are willing to just give players away at this point, And the Mets, you know, adding on salary in some way. That's all I got
1: to say. Good question, Subi. Thanks for the phone call. And it's funny you mentioned that because I was having that discussion with a buddy of mine yesterday, as a matter of fact. When is it considered not early anymore? Right? There have been some big trades that have been made early in the season. I mean, look, I know the circumstances were a little bit different, but... It was like a week ago. Was the 25th anniversary of the Mike Piazza trade that brought him to the Mets? Something about that late May, right? Transformational deal. You know, a couple of seasons back, Willie Adamas, you know, was traded by the Milwaukee Brew or uh, the Tampa Bay Rays to the Milwaukee Brewers, helped turn around Milwaukee season and allowed Wander Franco to be called up to get consistent playing time. You look around baseball right now, and yes, it's going to be June in a couple of days, and the trade deadline. Remember is August 1st, so we're still two months away from that. And you have a lot of clubs right now that might decide, we want to see how this plays out. We're not playing our best baseball yet, but it's a long season, and we think that we're confident in the guys we have in that clubhouse, and we're going to play this thing out and see if we can get hot. We're not ready to pull the plug on it just yet. Or you've got others who already might be realistic in thinking it's not going to be our year. And they think that if they trade away a player, let's say if he's a rental, free agent at the end of the season, the earlier in the season you trade him away, the more you could demand in return. So, yes, if you're asking me, do I think a trade could be made over the next month that is going to help this team? 100%. I do think that could happen. I, I, I can't sit here and identify the player or identify the team that might be willing to do business with you. But, I mean, just look around baseball right now. Kansas City is done. Even though I picked them to make the playoffs as a wild card, for all intents and purposes, I think Chicago is probably done. It just hasn't worked for them this year. You know, you see a guy that pitched last night, made his return to the mound, Liam Hendricks. Overcame non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Great story. As good a story as you're ever going to find, right? Liam Hendricks is a damn good pitcher. Damn good reliever. Liam Hendricks is a guy who probably is going to be trade bait. And when healthy, he could get guys out. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's an all-star pitcher, really, really good. Chicago also has a starting pitcher who maybe hasn't necessarily lived up to the potential And Lucas Giolito had one really, really good year ever since he's kind of just been okay. But Giolito's a free agent at the end of the year. He's a guy that could be moved. So I'm just giving you a couple of examples from one team that looks like they're not going to be in it this year. But remember, the White Sox are a Jerry Reinsdorf own team. Jerry Reinsdorf is one of these guys who isn't necessarily overly willing or eager to just throw in the towel. And wave the white flag. After all, this was the same guy who decided to bring Tony LaRusse out of retirement a couple of years ago and have him manage the club because he thought they could be a winner. You know, Oakland is obviously done. But who do you want on Oakland that's worth a damn that's going to be able to help you? I can't think of anybody. Um, You look at the rest of the National League. I mean, I could sit here and tell you that Colorado is done. They won't cop to it yet. But in the National League, there's only six teams that have winning records and are above 500. So that would be reason alone to maybe be a little bit more patient if you're these clubs, to not just say, we're done, who do you want, let's do business. But in the next few weeks, I think that certainly keep your eyes on the transaction wire and the rumor mill. All right. Football, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins the other day. Cut loose by the Arizona Cardinals. Guy's got a lot of ability. Top wide receiver. Jets could use them. Giants could use them. I think the Giants could use them more because I think the Jets have a better crop of wide receivers than the Giants do at this point. Right now, I think Darren Waller is the guy who's going to be the Giants' number one target this year for Daniel Jones, and he's a tight end. You know, their collection of wide receivers is just okay. It's not great. Jets could easily just start the season tomorrow, and I think you'd be more than comfortable with the stable of the wideouts that they have. But the salary cap space is going to be the challenge for both of these teams. In order to facilitate any sort of a transaction, maybe someone like a DeAndre Hopkins. Jets have about $7 million in cap space. Giants have even less. They're at like four and a half. So they would have to get extremely creative to be able to make that happen. And more importantly, the player is going to want to have to take less and just buy into the notion that I want to win a a championship and I'm going to do exactly what it takes. I'm going to give up more. I'm going to play for less. We don't know if DeAndre Hopkins is willing to do that. Remember, earlier in his career when he was with the Houston Texans, best quarterback that he had there was Deshaun Watson. Right? Last couple of seasons when Hopkins was in Houston, that's when Watson came along. So now Watson is in Cleveland. Put all the, you know, massage stuff behind him and All is forgiven with his, you know, two hundred plus guaranteed two hundred plus million guaranteed contract. So Watson was at a golf event today that the Browns were doing, and he discussed the rumors of possibly maybe being reunited.
2: Well, me and d hawk we just naturally talk. We've been talking since, you know, the Houston days. And then also whenever he left for Arizona, we were always talking. So, you know, he's always been a brother of mine since how I was coming out of high school. Our connection, our relationship has always been great. And I know there's a lot of things swirling around in the media of, you know, him possibly coming to Cleveland. And, you know, for me, my answer to that is, of course, we would love him. album. Uh, he knows that. We had a lot of connections, but, you know, that's kind of out of my (laughs) range of things of kind of coordinate things. So all I can do is, you know, make a call and and see what happens. Let AB do the rest.
1: Harvey, do we have that cut from um, DeAndre Hopkins, the one from the other day when he was on the uh, I Am Athlete podcast? We played it the other day. It it should be up there. Um, It's going to have to come down to the player at the end of the day. Look, all of the things that DeAndre Hopkins says that he wants, and as a matter of fact, I will tell you right now, or he'll tell you right now, this is the uh, Brandon Marshall vehicle, the I Am Athlete Pod. DeAndre Hopkins, what he wants in a new team?
2: I've been through three to four GMs, my career. Mm-hmm. Show a stable management, a QB who loves the game, QB who brings everybody on board with him,
1: pushes not just himself but uh, you know people around him, and a great defense. I think defense won championships. Good GM, stable front office, good defense, good quarterback. All right, that shouldn't be too hard to find, right? Because there's only so many teams that are going to be able to offer all of those things if that's what the player is looking for. You know, the usual suspects, you're talking about the Buffalo Bills, the Baltimore Baltimore Orioles, the Baltimore Ravens, Kansas City Chiefs. They put New England's name in there. You know, like that like that one was kind of floating around, but, I mean, does New England fit that criteria? Just the, the last part that he was talking about with a quarterback. New England has a real good quarterback. You think Mac Jones is somebody that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be like, oh, yeah, I want to go play with that guy? No. I know I wouldn't. Look, when push comes to shove, I think he's going to end up with the Kansas City Chiefs. And it's going to have to be a situation where he agrees to take less. Now, look. Maybe he looks at one of these New York teams and decides they've got everything I'm looking for. I think the Jets, if defense means something to him, I think the Jets probably are ticketed to have a better defense than the Giants for the upcoming season. So stable management, right? Joe Douglas been here for a few years. I don't think he's going anywhere, especially with his track record of drafting players over the last couple of seasons and really continuing to... Add to this foundation. You got the quarterback in Aaron Rodgers. And last year, they were a top five defense. So the Jets would seem to make a heck of a lot of sense for a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. Now, would they be able to talk turkey and be able to work out a contract? Don't know. Like I said, you've got $7 million of cap space to work with. Corey Davis is still on this team. And he's due to be charged about ten and a half mil for the upcoming season. I can't see a scenario where both Corey Davis and DeAndre Hopkins would be on this roster. It would have to be one or the other. And remember, Robert Sala a few weeks ago was asked specifically about Corey Davis, and he said, no, he's going to be on this team. So maybe they think they are okay, and they're good to go with the position, which is such a far cry, too. From how things used to be with this team, especially at the wide receiver position and, you know, some of the guys that when Sam Darnold was here, he was throwing to, to where you look at it now and you say, got some pretty good depth, right? You've got winning players, capable players, probably as talented a wide receiver room as they've had in a good long time. You add Hopkins to that mix, now you take it to even a greater level. 800-919-3776. That is the telephone number. Speaking of those Jets days, speaking of those Jets days, former Jet weighing in on his time with the team and how things may have gone wrong. We'll tell you who, we'll tell you what coming up next. Grasso Show till the top right here on 9870 SPN.
0: This is the Dan Grasso Show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Harvey, hit the damn music. Hi, go Mets, yay!
0: Yeah.
1: Hi, go Mets, yay! Yeah. Kodai Senga, Brandon Nimmo, Francisco Lindor, I don't think I'm leaving anybody out, right? Those are the three guys largely responsible for the win tonight. Mets get a W. They blank the Philadelphia Phillies by the final of 2 nothing to kick off the series on the right note. Now, they make you sweat, absolutely. You know, Dave Robertson allows a one-out hit to Josh Harrison in the ninth inning, so you get the tying run up at the plate, and you're thinking, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Had a chance to tack on, get some more runs, never happened. Well... There you go. Mets get themselves the win, and they move back over 500 at 28 and 27 on the season. So, all in all, a good night. And again, I said it earlier if Senga can only just figure out a way to bottle up what he shows you at City Field and how he pitches at City Field, and if he could just take that with him on the road, then he'd have an all star. You'd have an all star, but baby steps. But a good performance tonight when they needed it the most. Maybe the day off does them good, but you're going to have to start scoring more than two runs if you want to win some ball games here. But tonight it worked here. Back at it tomorrow against the Phil's. And remember, schedule is going to be getting tougher here for this baseball team in the month of June. It is not easy. You know, they had their stumbling blocks in May against some subpar teams. Now you're playing better clubs. You're going to have to play even better baseball if you want to win. By the way, um, we were talking about Hopkins earlier, DeAndre Hopkins. Here was Adam Schefter on his podcast talking about the likely landing spots. So when we look at the options, really, I know
2: people have talked about Kansas City, Buffalo, New England, Cleveland. Those to me would be the ones... That would seem to make the most sense. Now there always could be another team that comes out of the woodworks that we don't expect. And something could happen that could change events where a team suffers an injury, loses a player for whatever reason, and they decide they need to upgrade their wide receivers. But I think we're really talking about Casey, Buffalo, New England, and Cleveland.
1: Pump the brakes. Yeah, pump the brakes a little bit too. Um, you know what? A guy like Hopkins, as I said, he's made enough money in his career. Let me see him take a little bit less if he truly just wants to go out there and be part of a winner. Because he hasn't been part of a winner yet. You know, the Houston situation was bad. No, I don't want to say it was bad, but it was just, it, you know, it was Houston. It is what it is. You know, the AFC South champion, it seemed like every single year they had just like no chance of doing anything significant or getting past the second round. And then he goes to Arizona, and that was a disaster waiting to happen, and the Cardinals are going to be an awful, awful club in 2023. Mention the Jets stuff. Le'Veon Bell's tenure with the team, you know, he arrived with great hype in 2019. Big free agent signing after sitting out the previous year with the Steelers, didn't want to play under the franchise tag. And he goes to free agency, and the Jets and then GM Mike McCagnin Gave him a boatload of money. You know, 50-something million dollars. I think it was 28 million guaranteed at the time, which, you know, still a nice chunk of change. But it just didn't work out here. Right? Was a shell of the player he used to be. And he could use every, you know, excuse known to man about the offensive line was bad. Passing game was inconsistent. Quarterbacks weren't out of the lineup. No real threat in the passing game. So defenses were keying on him. Blah, 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 blah. But we also heard rumblings that, you know, when the Jets gave him that contract, that the coach at the time, Adam Gase, was against it. He didn't believe that Bell was the right fit for his scheme. Didn't believe that paying a running back all that money was beneficial, even though he never copped to it, of course. But you could tell that, That was not the direction he wanted to go. And then when they finally went their separate ways the next year, once the situation had kind of run its course, everybody thought that Le'Veon was going to be able to catch on someplace else, and then you would see the old Steelers' Le'Veon Bell. Well, that never happened because he went to Kansas City, went to a couple of other stops, and still, same old, just pedestrian results. That player that was an all-prone Pittsburgh, we never saw again. So Le'Veon went on the uh, Steel Here pod with a couple of Steeler fans. Get it, Steel Steelers. And looking back on his time with the Jets, pointed the finger first and foremost at Adam Gase.
0: Bro, we get to New York, and that's why I instantly instantly find out all oh, head coaches make a huge, oh, yeah. difference. <laughs> like, huge difference. Like, as soon as I get to New York, I find that out like the first week. Bro, it's like. I knew it was going to be a battle. I knew it was going to be an uphill battle. I knew it. The team wasn't that great, don't get me wrong, but I feel like if Coach Tomlin was coaching that team, we win nine games at least. But it's like to the point where it's like Sam Darnold is like, don't even know like the actual protection or what the Lions are protecting because he's so confused about our offense because the coach is confusing him. The play calling was terrible. It was a lot of things that were not going the
1: way that obviously should have been going. And it's funny too because – It all comes back to Sam Darnold. And it's ironic now that, you know, look, Sam has bounced around, too, since he left the Jets. Right? It didn't work out. Got traded to Carolina, fell out of favor there, got injured. They draft Bryce Young. And now he's on the San Francisco 49ers. And San Francisco's going into this season with some uncertainty at quarterback because Trey Lance is a guy who they traded up for a couple of years ago as the rookie but has not been able to stay healthy, and they can't just hand him the job. Brock Purdy, who took him all the way to the NFC Championship game last year, he also underwent elbow surgery, might not be ready for the start of the season. And then you have Sam. And all the reviews about Sam, what he's doing out there in California, and more importantly, it's because he's in a situation where he's got a coach there in Kyle Shanahan who has been known to be very quarterback friendly. And they think that, He's going to bring the best football out of Sam Darnold and finally fulfill some of that potential that comes with being the number three overall pick in the draft. I'll be honest with you. If that happens, there's going to be nobody happier than yours truly. All right? Sam is a guy that it didn't work out here for whatever reason. And I'm sure there's a lot of contributing factors to that. But I think the kid could play. He's a good dude. Knew him pretty well when he was here. And you root for people, right? You're not rooting for teams. You're rooting for people, especially when you do this and you build relationships and that type of thing. I'm going to root for Sam Darnold. going to root for him up until the time he has to step out on the field and play against the Jets. But if things finally work out for him in San Francisco and he's able to find a home and look like the quarterback that so many thought he could be once upon a time, more power to him. But he's got to go win that job first. You know, Brock Purdy's a guy who you thought did enough to be able to get first dibs have having the position again the following year, getting them all the way to the championship game. And who knows? You know, if he doesn't get hurt, maybe the Niners are the ones in the Super Bowl this past year, but not Philadelphia. We have no way of knowing. But it is something that I still, even to this day, and look, Aaron Rodgers is here, and that's great. And he probably wouldn't like it any other way, but... There are still times when, I'm sure, Jet fans look back on how things were and just kind of, you know, ask themselves the question, what if? You know, what if this power structure was in place? What if this roster was in place when Sam Darnold was the quarterback? And how things maybe potentially were a little bit different, right? And if they were... Think of how things would Aaron Rodgers wouldn't be here. Zach Wilson probably wouldn't have been drafted. And what type of a different look would this club have had? 800-919-3776. That's the telephone number. We hope to hear some Met postgame before we sign off. If not, Gordon and Larry, I'm sure, we'll have that stuff for you. When we come back, we'll talk about the new Jet quarterback in Aaron Rodgers and what he's been up to. And the latest on the Rangers search for a new head coach. Dan Grasser show till 10, right here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Dan Grasser show on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Because <laughs> we are in our routine. We are in our schedule each and every night. It's going to be you. It's going to be me. It's going to be us. Our little hangout at 7 p.m. So, of course, we're thrilled by that. You know, it's funny. Like, I'm looking up at the TV here, and we were just talking about it during the break. You ever notice how some of these games, you know, these these networks and these teams, for example, you know, the pregame shows, the postgame shows, especially if they're like former athletes. Like, I think they got the um, Texas Rangers postgame show up on the TV tonight. They, they beat the uh, Tigers in Detroit. Not that you really care, but anyway. So they got the postgame show up, and he got two of the analysts for the Rangers who were former players. And they're doing stand-up not stand-up comedy, but they're doing like a stand-up shot and they're demonstrating things that happen in the game and they both have like baseball bats in their hands. Like, I don't know why that happens so often with these shows to where they have to have like equipment pertaining to the sport that they're breaking down in their hands. Like, they need that to validate their existence up there on that screen. Right? To justify them being up there. Like you know, like the hockey ones, like you see the guys like with hockey sticks and they go off by the goal and they all got to have like hockey sticks in their hands while they're breaking down. It's like just sit at the desk and talk, you know, like I I believe you. You used to play. I'm familiar with the name. I could go to the Internet. I could go to, you know, baseball reference or whatever it is, and I could see your body of work. You don't have to convince me. (laughs) It's just like, what are we doing? I don't know. Jimmy in Astoria is up next here on 98.7 ESPN. Jim, how are you? Hey, man. I'm doing well. How you doing? Good, Jim. What's going on?
2: Nothing much, man. I, I just want to say uh, I love listening to the show. Uh, I, I Unfortunately, I'm, I'm working day a lot now, so I don't get the chance to listen, but I, I got to download the ESPN radio app. I got to give you the plug there and listen to you a little ESPN more ESPN
1: New York app. Make sure you uh, get the right one, though, Jim.
2: PSP yeah, in New York? Yep. Sorry about that, boss so I, I thought you made a great point kind of playing the, the what-if game with the New York Jets, and, and, and like a lot of Jets fans, I think you can play that game with a lot of things, but I think that one thing leading into that draft when we drafted Wilson, you know, I, I had a lot of conversations with my buddies. We're all Jets fans. And, and, and for me, leading to Zach Wilson's pro day, I thought the Jets were not – lying about the fact that they really liked Sam Darnold, but I think after Zach Wilson's pro day, they kind of fell in love with him, but if you want to play the what-if game, if he doesn't have that pro day, and we have Sam Darnold and we trade down from the number two and we get a plethora of picks and kind of surround him with some of the talent that we're starting to now accumulate now, it, it, it's it's very intriguing kind of thinking about what the team might have been with a, a a Darnold going into a more experienced year obviously not having Wilson as a rookie and I'm just kind of curious to hear your thoughts and and maybe some other folks in in terms of you know what we might have been able to grab and and if you know if the regime had kind of bought into Darnold like what you think that might have looked like uh if we had kind of traded down and kind of just taken those assets instead of taking
1: it's, it, it is it is one hell of a what if, right, Jim? And that's kind of what I was alluding to there. And I thank you for the phone call. You get back to us. I think at that time, they weren't quite ready to win yet. You know, so that was, what, 2021. And I think that a large degree of what motivated them to go ahead and trade Sam And to draft Zach Wilson is because when you draft the rookie quarterback, what you're doing is you're resetting the clock, right? You're resetting the clock for his contract. And the quarterback, as we know, look, the quarterback is going to be the highest paid player on a team. It's going to eat up a ton of your salary cap. So if you have a rookie, and in this case, it was Zach Wilson, on a very team-friendly deal, even though he was the second pick in the draft, but you have that for five years, that allows you to beef up the rest of your roster. And that's what Joe Douglas and company intended to do over that, you know, two, three-year period, continue to surround the quarterback with talent, and then by the time the quarterback gets to the year three, because that's what the goal was supposed to be. 2023 was always the season that the Jets, when they mapped this thing out when Joe Douglas got there, right, in in, you know, late in the 2019 offseason, they mapped 2023 as this is the year it's all going to fire. Right? This is when we're going to have enough talent. We should have our quarterback, and let's go win this thing. Now, a funny thing happened along the way. They got their quarterback. It just wasn't the rookie. It ends up being a guy who's a future Hall of Famer and a four-time MVP in Aaron Rodgers. But they like the roster. The roster's good enough to win. Quarterback is icing on the cake. So I still think they achieved their 2023 objective. But maybe a couple of the parts are a little bit different than what they originally envisioned. But I don't, you know, I don't know if they would have held on to Sam Darnold and taken somebody else with that number two pick, for example. I don't know if it would have worked in the same way, right? Would Rodgers be here? Would he not be there? Do we know for a fact that Darnold would have succeeded in 21 or he would have succeeded last year to where then they would have still been faced with this decision to go get Rodgers for the 23 season? It's all one big what if game, right? It's just one giant what if. But I think if you're a Jet fan right now, you're probably not all that upset because it still landed you a guy who could take you to special places. And in his mind, you know, he's already imagining it as it is. You have to put that on a loop. Jets won the Super Bowl. That was Aaron Rodgers at the Taylor Swift concert over the weekend when they were dropping confetti at the end of the show. And, you know, he and a couple of buddies, they filmed it and put it on the phone and they put it on social, you know, and Jets won the Super Bowl. And I'll tell you, Aaron Rodgers, he's certainly making his way around our area, is he not? And remember all the concern that, oh, well, he comes here, you know, he's not going to be very present. He's going to, you know, not be here for OTAs. He's going to disappear all offseason. You're not going to see him again. He's not going to like it here. He's not going to deal with the media well. Remember, remember all those kind of concerns and, and, and questions that folks were having? Couldn't be further from the truth. I would say that he's acclimating himself pretty damn well. And everything that he said about being in this area practices what you preach. And certainly he looks like a guy who's having a good old time. And the thing he posted on his Instagram last night about, you know, my new home, MetLife Stadium, and how great everything is here. and Guy wants to be here. It's legitimate. He's genuine. He's sincere. You know, all this stuff in the offseason, it might mean nothing. Might mean everything. And ultimately you're going to be judged by what you do out on the field come September. But so far, so good. And he looks like he's having a good old time now. And he is essentially the face of the franchise. And it's a long time that if you as a Jet fan have had this much to be excited about before a season gets underway. I'm going to actually be out there tomorrow. It's another one of those um, OTA days where they allow the media to be there. So I'll be out there getting a look up close at Mr. Rogers. And we'll report back tomorrow night, of course, at 7 o'clock as to how things go throughout the day. Hey, by the way, don't forget to come out and see DPH on Rothenberg live on Thursday, June 1st. That's this Thursday, starting at 6 a.m. from Publicans in Manhasset for a special pregame broadcast and music from Randy Zoo. It's just steps away from Manhasset station on the LIRR, where after the show, the crew are going to take the train to City Field and tailgate in Lot F before the matinee game. It's the pregame party with Rick and Dave brought to you by New York Structural Steel Painting Contractors Association, the Window and Glass Dealers Association of New York, and Do Irish Whiskey. I believe he got Scherzer going in that one on Thursday. So a good pitching matchup for anybody going to the game. Yeah, it's Scherzer against Taiwan Walker. Former Met teammates toeing the rubber on Thursday afternoon there. Should be a lot of fun, as a matter of fact. A lot of fun for the Yankees right now, because they are off and running here quickly. In Seattle, boy, they are uh, really making these youngsters with the Mariners work pretty hard. Three in the first inning tonight, and they're still batting. You have IKF, of all people, with a two-run single. And then you got Bowers with a sacrifice fly to make it 3 nothing. Got to be a little bit relaxing for Nestor that before he even throws a pitch, that he's got himself a three-run cushion in inning number one. So maybe the Yanks continue their winning ways here out in Seattle against a really, really good Mariners team. Um, you know, also one of the thing we didn't mention today, and, and we're running out of time, Bob Myers stepped down. The uh, longtime president GM of the Golden State Warriors. I would say he's compiled a nice little resume with the four championships, six trips to the finals. And he just says it's about time. You know, he was doing it for a dozen years, um, but if you read between the lines and you've kind of been following the situation from afar, it sounds like that maybe the owner, the, the owner Joe uh, LaCobb, had something to do with this a little bit. And Joe LaCobb's got a son who he wants to have a little bit more say and influence in the organization. I'm sure somebody like Bob Myers was like, I, I, I'm not going to put up with this. I can have any job I want. I've accomplished enough. My legacy is secure. Borderline Hall of Fame resume. I'll see what else is out there. So we'll see what the trickle-down effect is for that. That's going to do it for us though tonight. Thanks to Julian and thanks to Harvey. We will talk to you again tomorrow coming up at 7 right after TMKS. Dan Grasso saying goodnight. night. Gordon and Larry up next here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is the Dan Grasso show on 98.7 ESPN. <laughs>